Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor. Taking your calls and your questions, 303-690-3000. And we have a dedicated texting line, 720-336-3000. 0897 that's just to text into the show uh, I'm I'm privileged uh, to be with you this afternoon and to um, talk about the things of the Lord together to pray together to be open to the work of the Holy Spirit together and we do that all through technology on three different radio networks Grace FM here in Colorado and Wyoming Truth FM and Truth FM covers Tennessee North Carolina Kentucky And, of course, you guys on Hope FM have been with us for a while, New Jersey, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the program. This is the program where we talk about the things of the Lord together, and uh, we answer questions, and uh, we open the Bible together, pray together, share testimony, share difficulties, share victories. Uh, The body of Christ is expanded a little bit through the technology. And I invite you to join us. Join us, join us. 303-690-3000. Spent some time with my friend, Pastor Sean Reinsel today. He pastors White Flag Calvary in Denver and occasionally will fill in for us on the radio. Just had a great time of fellowship with him as we drove to a pastor's gathering up at Riverside Baptist Church today. And we was just encouraged by a young man Uh, Not much older, he would have been in between my son Eddie and my son Josh in age, not much older than my son Josh, just talking about his generation, talking about reaching his generation. I I was so encouraged and humbled at the same time, Um, just knowing that, and as he said it from his perspective, you know, we, our generations need each other. Every church should be multi-generational and every church should be disciple orient, discipleship oriented. That's what uh, I think he said, and I'll have to look it up because I didn't write it down, but he said uh, that Christian, the word Christian is used like three times in the Bible, in the New Testament, but disciple or discipleship is used almost 300 times. And so where's the emphasis of the Holy Spirit? (laughs) That was great. I was so great. But the fellowship with with Sean just talking about ministry together was great too. And and, um, May the Lord be glorified in all that he wants to accomplish in and through our lives. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. Give me a call. Text me if you'd like. And we're going to we didn't get to get to Bianca yesterday, although I did see her in fellowship last night, uh, but we didn't get her on the air yesterday. So let's do that first up brand new begin the show. Line 1 is Bianca from Aurora, Colorado. Bianca, welcome to the program. How are you doing, Pastor Ed? Good, my sister. I'm sorry we didn't get to you yesterday, but you're first today. Yeah, well, I have this prayer request, and maybe I should start it and you should finish it, but 
it's for marriages, but believers, because I've been hearing a lot of divorces going on amongst believers, which I know shouldn't be happening because the Lord doesn't like divorce, and I know that's not the answer, but I know it's just the enemy trying to divide marriages because he knows that if he can separate the marriages, then everything will fall apart. So, Father, I just want to pray for all these Christian marriages, Lord, because they're they're your children, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that whatever's causing these divorces to go on, I just pray that you intervene, Lord, because I know that a lot of times people are just getting divorced for small things, Lord, and and it just seems like there needs to be more unity, Lord. And so I just pray that that you just restore all these marriages, Lord, especially since we're praying for your children, Lord. I would understand if they're unbelievers, but these are believers we're talking about, Lord, and and I just pray, Lord, that you just do whatever it takes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. I also come alongside my sister, uh, knowing, you know, just ministering to so many marriages and so many different points of view on marriage, so many difficulties. Um, I even, you know, just hearing... Uh, I'm specifically praying against pornography, Lord, in marriages, how it's just fracturing relationships and fracturing um, marriages and causing great division that the men or women that are involved in that egregious sin would just repent and forsake it so that you might begin to repair the damage that is done. And I just know until there's repentance in that area, it just won't. It'll continue to be a problem. And, and so I agree with my sister, you give me that, that sensitivity to marriages, uh, and may we be faithful uh, to serve those and to minister to those and to pray for those that we know are married, including ourselves, and especially ourselves, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks a lot. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Take in your calls and your questions. Uh, just open you know, to a fresh work of the Holy Spirit. What does God want to accomplish? How does he want to accomplish it? And and, and what is he doing exactly? 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's move over to, uh, let me get to my call screen. Sorry, Dale's calling from Platteville. Dale, welcome to the program. Thank you, sir. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? <clears throat> Good. I got a, I got a um, question, or, or <clears throat> I guess. Um, I was just kind of curious. 
uh, when when Jesus sent the apostles, he told them, do not go out to the Gentiles. And then when when uh, when Paul came, then he sent Paul to preach to the Gentiles. Why why don't we hear more sermons dealing with the disposition of grace and and uh, from you know the Romans to what is it Philemon um, and just get get more in depth in that and then yeah the Bible you know, because it goes refers back and forth and stuff but it just seems like we don't hear that many uh, sermons or or um, teachings. From what Paul wrote. Yeah, it's on. Just for the sake of discussion, uh, let me flip that question back over on you. Why do you think you don't hear more New Covenant teaching in the pulpits of churches today? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, mean, I, I think, honestly, my personal opinion, I think a lot of these these uh, churches or mega churches has have lost the the, uh, I don't know, the true meaning of, of what they're supposed to be preaching. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just I just think that, that some of these mega churches, if you will, don't don't focus on what they, they should, in my opinion. This is just my opinion. But I, I don't know. I know this is a, well, I, you know, go ahead. I live in a different world than you do, you know, in the pastoral world, if you will, or in church leadership. And and so I have a few opinions on why. I mean, I guess the real answer is we don't know why. Um, we don't know why leaders make the decisions that they make. Or, But the New Covenant is not a message of Paul. Uh, the New Covenant's a message of Jesus Christ. The New Covenant right, is right. a message of the Old Covenant. God promised the New Covenant. In the Old Testament, we learn about the New Covenant that's to come. We learn over and over again 300-plus prophecies of prediction of the first coming of Messiah who would usher in a new covenant. Remember when God spoke, uh, I believe it was through Jeremiah, I might be mistaken, it could have been Ezekiel, but he spoke about taking their hearts of flesh out and hearts of stone and replacing them with the hearts of flesh. Um, uh-huh. I mean, the, the new covenant is all over. I mean, the new covenant was even prefigured in the Garden of Eden, wasn't it? Uh-huh, yeah. What, you know how? Do you know how it was prefigured in the Garden of Eden? Well, it was uh, when when um, when Satan had the apple, you know, or, or had had Eve eat the apple at that point. Then then it was it was uh, I think that's when it was first. Yeah, let me help you. But, let me help you because I know it's a little. I know we flipped this around on you, but so let me help you a little bit. You see the new covenant anytime yeah. you see a prefiguration prefigure of the finished work of the cross. And what was the prefigure of the finished work of the cross in the garden, but when God provided the coverings for them by sacrificing an animal? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? There was a prefigure yeah, of the to, sacrifice to come. Exactly, so, to, so, to, get the, the, to get the skins, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, it, that their covering of their sin would not be their own effort and their own work, but that God would do it, and it would require sacrifice. I mean, it's all over the Bible. So uh-huh. to me, um, to me, the reality of why this isn't my personal opinion because this is where i come from so i'm a calvary chapel pastor i was saved in a calvary chapel i was discipled in a calvary chapel i was taught the new covenant and i was also taught to teach the bible from beginning to end so that we teach the bible from genesis to revelation verse by verse chapter by chapter book by book in the context 
in the in in the <clears throat> uh, the way that God intended it, the way He reserved it for us. And if you teach the Bible like that, you cover all the topics that God teaches on, the way He teaches on, with the emphasis that He teaches on. And if there's the great emphasis in the Bible, it is the new covenant of grace. It's everywhere. And uh-huh. what's what's happened today, my friend? And I know pastors are listening in, so. You know, maybe you get mad at me and you get convicted, but I'm okay with that. But this five study series on how to save your money and five study series on marriage and five study series on what the present movies are saying in light, how do you see the Bible in the Black Panther movie or whatever is yep. creating a lack of Bible study teaching for the church. They're simply being entertained <clears throat> and brought to a, an event and not properly discipled. And if a pastor would just decide to teach the new covenant by teaching the Bible from beginning to end, um, there would be immediate health in their church. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That that makes sense. That's my opinion. Yeah, my opinion doesn't mean much, but the, I've approached the ministry the same way I've been discipled teach the Bible, emphasize what yep. God has done for you, not what you do for God, that he's exactly. the author and finisher. You know, when we studied Romans, do you know how long it took us as a church to finish studying Romans? No, I have no idea. Guess. Oh, gee whiz, I would guess probably almost a year. <laughs> yeah, it took us three years to finish Romans. Yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that. Be- <clears throat> because there were some things in Romans that we had to stop and just look at one word. It was so important to the new covenant. Yeah, um, yeah, I can and, see that. <clears throat> and so I just think that as pastors would turn back to the word, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If pastors would just would move away from programs and pastors would move away from church growth methods and trying to fill seats and would just disciple the people that want to grow in Jesus Christ, God would revolutionize our churches and our country by the amount of, of, of impact that believers would have as they integrate with society with the love of Jesus. I agree with you. Amen, brother. Well, so, well thank you very much, and I'm glad you're feeling better. You still sound a little froggy. Thank you. But I, I still got a little bit, bit, but man, I'm hoping it goes away. It's the Israeli. <laughs> See? So I yeah, just start talking good. about it. It comes up. <laughs> but I'm hoping to be well, good this weekend. Thanks for your call, bro. God bless you. You bet. But thank God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. George. George in Greeley, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Good, good, good. What's going on? Um, I have a couple of questions, maybe one. Okay. Before uh, Satan fell from heaven, who told him that he was so beautiful? And how did he get so beautiful? Well, he was created as a good angel, and angels, by definition, are are fantastic, glorious creatures um, before his fall. And I was trying to think of that passage. I looked in um, um, I looked in Isaiah, and I don't see it, but let me see if I can find it. That's what um, I thought it was Isaiah. So, let me read it. Maybe I'm missing it. It says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, who weaken the nations. I want to say that um, how you have said in your heart, maybe Ezekiel, maybe it's Ezekiel that 
describes in Ezekiel 28, your heart's lifted up, you're wiser than Daniel, wisdom and understanding. Um, I'm going to have to look for it. I don't, I thought it was in Isaiah, but it's not. Um, so let me look for it. Stay on the, stay listening to the program. And as soon as I find it, I will, um, share it on the air. Okay. Thank you. Um, let me, is there anything else on your mind? Um, yes, I mean, he's called yes. son of the morning. Um, I heard, I heard Pastor Greg Lord talking and he said that Judas could have, uh, repented and not went through with his deed, you know? But yes. Then, but then the scriptures would not have been fulfilled because Jesus said the scriptures must be fulfilled, right? <clears throat> yeah, but, you know, when we're talking about these things, we have to remember two things. One is when we're talking about the fact that Judas could have repented, we're talking in the real time. We're not talking that it would undo history. You just like just like anyone. Anyone has the opportunity to repent of their sins. Uh, and in real time and and now and then the second thing we always have to remember is looking back we only know what's been revealed and we know that he didn't repent so we're not trying to undo the fact that um we're not trying to undo the fact that Judas didn't repent but looking at the reality to encourage someone to repent uh we say yes yes okay okay here here i think i found it so now that we're talking all right um, uh, it, it's a dual prophecy in Ezekiel 28 referring to the king of Tyre and to Lucifer he says son of man take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him thus says the Lord God you were the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty and every precious stone was your covering Isaiah you know Sardis topaz um, diamond um, onyx, you were um, the workmanship of your timbrels and your pipes, you know, the, being involved in, in worship in heaven. Uh, yeah. So it's Ezekiel 28, 12, and 13. Okay, thank you. I knew it would just take a few minutes uh, yeah. to, and let me see, somebody just text me a verse. Let me look before you hang up. Somebody just text me a verse. Let's look at it before we hang up. Okay. Um, you know, um, here's another text. Lucifer is never actually used in the Hebrew scriptures. Um, it's translated in English in the New King James, so in Isaiah 14. And then where is that scripture? I don't see it. But Ezekiel 28 is definitely one of the passages that we're looking for. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank Thanks, you. George. Okay, thank you. See you, Pastor. Have a good All right, evening. bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Tom calling from Baltimore, Maryland. Tom, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, Pastor? Good, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Welcome back. What can I do for you? I just had a question regarding, uh, with Abraham and Isaac, um, I'm wondering your take on uh, about how old you think Isaac may have been and at what point in time... Did uh, did he realize that he was going to go to to worship? And if that has any, uh, if there's any um, similarities there, you know, pictures of Christ oh, yeah. in in that. There absolutely is uh, in that sacrifice. You know, it's a matter of fact. It's the um, that place on on the hill where the temple 
now what we used to stand where the Temple Mount is, like that, that is the place, Mount Moriah, uh, that God would continue to use as a place of sacrifice <clears throat> in, in, in salvific history. Um, I think that I think that Isaac was a young man, probably in his twenties. Uh, this was not a child. I know that in Sunday school we kind of get the picture that he was a child, but he was he was a young man, and there's a very good chance that he knew he was going to be sacri- he would be the sacrificed one right when they began the ascent, um, right when they began to walk up. But for sure, he knew when he was being when he was being laid on the altar and the knife was being raised in the air. He definitely knew by then uh, that what was happening and wondering what is going on. I'm trying to pull up Genesis here to get to the uh, to get to the text. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I'm working my way through. Isaac's born in 21. Um, where is it? I'm a little slow today. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, you you caught the last caller just in time. You're doing well. I know, I'm working. I'm like little by little, but I can't. Let me. <laughs> I'm gonna bend over and get my uh, get my Bible here because it's easier to find in my Bible than it is to find on the computer. And so, yeah, I think he's a young man, and I just don't want to miss something um, that the text might specifically say. That his eyes, right. you know, that he realized what was going on. I don't recall right. anything, but definitely there is. It's a great picture of the final sacrifice of God's son. I mean, Abraham becomes a type of the father. Isaac becomes a type of Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, it's powerful. Yeah, I mean, even as far as he's, uh, the wood was laid on his back, and you know, yes. and he carried it up the hill. I thought that was very interesting. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a absolute powerful. Um, picture it's it's genesis 22 god test abraham take your only son whom you love go to the land of moriah offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that i'll show you abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey took two of his young men with him isaac his son split the wood for the burnt offering arose and went to the place that god told him on the third day he lifted his eyes says to the young man stay here with the donkey go we'll come back to you and I love what he said, verse 5. Don't miss this. He says, and we will come back to you. And so what does that tell us, do you think, when he says in Genesis 22, verse 5, he tells the young man, stay here, we're going to go up and worship, and we will come back. What do you think could be possibly going through Abraham's mind there? Um, let me give this one second. And... Uh, you know, my train of thought right now isn't really catching on that. I think he believes in the power of the resurrection. I think he believes that even uh, okay, if... Okay, so he, he, so he was going to go up there and, and that his son I, was, in fact, going to die, but that he would be raised again somehow? Yeah, wh- that, whatever he's going to do. I don't think he has a... I don't think fully he understands that God's going to provide a sacrifice. I think he has... Right. His faith is so strong in God that, that he believes that he believes that he will come back one way or another, that whatever right. he offers to God, God will give it back to him. And isn't that where it says God will provide uh, himself a sacrifice? A lot of people, I think, um, read that for himself. Is, is that where that is? 
Yes, so let me read down. Let me go all the way down. Uh, It says, um, um, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Right. And the two of them went together. You know, because his son asked, where's the lamb? I think that's it. That's why I didn't want to miss anything, because right there before he says, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Like, he's beginning to think, what the heck is going on here, bro? Dad. Um, he may not fully understand that that God's asked him to sacrifice, but I, right. I, I I think Abraham, you know, isn't isn't hiding from his son, but probably didn't fully reveal it. But he's he's starting right. he's starting to recognize something's up. Now I'm sorry. Did it say uh, will provide for himself a sacrifice, or does it say will provide himself a sacrifice? Uh, in uh, let me so in my New King James it says for himself. Okay. So let me right. let me just look. Let me look at um, the original text. So let's see if that word for is there. So in verse 8, let's see if that's a translatable word in the Hebrew. We'll provide. So in the he- in the new Old King James, it doesn't have for. Right. Uh, Which kind so of changes the whole idea of the whole thing, you know. Uh, he will provide himself a sacrifice. I mean that that's the weight of it. So it's strong seventy two hundred perceive see show for uh, ra'ah primitive root. Yeah, in the old King James, it doesn't for himself a lamb. It says it provide for himself a lamb for the offering. Yep, I don't see the word for in the text in the old Textus Receptus. Okay. Nope, I don't see it there. Well, it's all very interesting. All no, very you're, interesting you know, and like I like to, I always like to tell folks that um, good Bible study is always made up of good observations. Uh, absolutely, um, absolutely. And I like what you stuff. were saying about you're going to go to your Bible as opposed to uh, your uh, electronic device. It's always yes, nice I love for my us Bible. Carry our Bibles. <laughs> I'm right, with my you, brother. man. Well, that's all I See have you, for this night. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Okay, you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. We're coming up on a break here. So let's wait. You guys waiting on hold. Let's just wait. Thank you guys on Hope FM. You have been calling regularly. Now, you guys on Truth FM, call us. I personally haven't received a call from Truth FM yet. And so if you're listening in Truth FM in Tennessee... If you're listening in North Carolina or Kentucky, call us. The number works anywhere, 303-690-3000. This is a live broadcast. Even though you're hearing it one week delayed, if you call the number, you'll be on the air in, in Colorado live, and then you'll get the question answered live, and then you'll hear the broadcast a week later. That's just the arrangement we have. Uh, but this is a show that's broadcast live throughout Colorado and Wyoming, unless it's a rebroadcast. And you just call us. It's okay. Don't don't listen and go, oh, I can't call because that was last week's show. No, no, no. Call us. Whenever the show is on, that means we're on, and we'll take your calls and your questions here. Uh, the show originates from Grace FM, uh, a ministry outreach of Calvary Chapel in Aurora. And I always like to ask. Jesus said, you don't ask, you don't receive. If you'd like to support us as a as a station here on Grace FM, go to gracefm.com, gracefm.com, and hit the donate button, and maybe set up something recurring. Um, you know, twenty bucks a month, whatever. Just 
we just know that it does. It, it we are a church-run radio station, and it does cost money to to run this station. So, if the station's blessed you, uh, people administer to you the Bible studies, and then go to gracefm.com, click the donate button, and we would love uh, to partner with you. And then the fruit of the ministry will go to your account. Uh, it's a worthy ministry to support Christian radio, Bible study, and worship twenty-four hours a day seven days a week gracefm.com all right we're coming up on the first and only break of the show my name is ed taylor i'm the pastor here at calvary chapel in aurora colorado taking your calls and questions grateful to be with you this afternoon hang tight for a couple minutes and we'll be right back taking your calls and questions Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of today's program. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. Where is Aurora, you ask? It is east of Denver. It's an eastern Denver suburb. I think it's the third largest city in Colorado. I think the way it goes is Denver, Colorado Springs, and then Aurora. Uh, I might be wrong, but um, fine, fine people live in the city of Aurora. We have a privilege of serving here for 18 years and counting. Uh, we, we, Pastor Ian and I were just talking about 20 years, man. We're coming up on 20 years. I just, if the Lord tarries, I, I, I just, it's hard to believe, quite frankly, um, but I passed the milestone a long time ago of having served the Lord longer than I have been alive or, you know, ha- longer than I served the, not longer than I've been alive. That's impossible. Um, I've served the Lord longer than I served the world because I got saved at 22, close to 23. I don't know why from my mind, I've always said 23, but it was actually February of 1991, which would have made me 20 years old, 22 years old and 11 months or 12 months and, um, or gosh, 11 months. And, um, uh, so I'm looking forward to the day where I will have been pastoring longer than I served the world. Now that's a pretty significant, and I count all my, my years, all the baby years, um, everything, because I was such a rotten kid that I was really rebellious my entire life until I got saved. So I count all those years. And uh, man, it just struck me that I can't wait when I have pastored, been been had the privilege of pastoring for more years than I served the world. What only God can do that. And those of you that know my story, which is only really a portion of my story, my testimony, only God can do what He's done and continues to do. Only God. And God wants to do the same thing in your life. God wants to do the same thing in your son's life. God wants to do the same thing in your boss's life. He wants to do the same thing for you guys that are police officers to the folks that are, that are in your back of your seat. You know why? You know why I know that? And you you might be a police officer right now uh, driving around town protecting us. First of all, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. I know it's a very difficult time right now to be a police officer. It's a very scary time. Um, you know, very, very difficult. My son was a police officer. He was a state trooper. And just a very difficult time. We always prayed he would get home safely. 
Uh, and, and fortunately he did every day. He came home to his wife uh, and came home to his son uh, until the Lord took him home, but it wasn't work related. And um, it was, it was his, it was my son passed away because of his heart and some family uh, decisions uh, that his wife and her family made. And, and so the, 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 we would pray all the time that he would come home safely to his wife, come home safely to his son. Uh, and he did praise the Lord for that. But if you're a police officer right now and you're driving around, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you for your wife and your kids that, that share you with our community in this very important role. But pray for the guy that's in your back of your car, because I was that guy. Um, I was in the back of a police car more than one time, deserving of it every single time. Uh, just one of those foul-mouthed uh, idiots uh, that would be in the back of a, of a police car, the kind that would um, not be favorably liked by police officers for good reason. And God saved me. Check this out. I, I haven't, you know, it's, I haven't shared it too many times, but uh, when I got saved, I got saved in a very large church, uh, Calvary Chapel in Downey, California. Uh, it it has a sanctuary that holds about thirty two hundred people, maybe, or I'm not entirely sure. It's huge, maybe twenty seven hundred people. I'm not. I don't remember exactly. And you know, back when I got saved, it was filled on Sunday mornings, first and second service. I mean, jam packed, filled, and also on Wednesday nights. Just jam. I'm, I never seen three thousand people gather together for a church service on a Wednesday night. Imagine that. And, and so because, uh, it was so large, it was a, it was a, a broader community church. Like Calvary Aurora is also a broader community church. That means people come to our church from all over the Metro area. Um, not just Aurora, but all over. We have people coming from Conifer, from Arvada, from, uh, you know, Wheat Ridge, from Lakewood, Westminster, Littleton, Highlands Ranch, all over. It's, it's, it's a church that draws from a larger community like Downey did. And I remember the day that sitting in the sanctuary, I normally sat on the left-hand side, sitting in the sanctuary, I looked across the room, and wouldn't you know it, one of the police officers that I've had many interactions with, and, oh yeah, people come to our church from Elizabeth too. Um, Elizabeth is easy to forget. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but I was looking across the room, a big room, and there he was, the sergeant that I had many run-ins, not good ones either. And the sergeant was very mean to me. And I was foul-mouthed, he was foul-mouthed, and of course he had all the power, and, and I was a rotten criminal. And uh, that, that sergeant didn't, didn't do anything illegal or anything. He just didn't mess around with a punk criminal like me. But there he is in church on the other side of the room. And my heart started beating, not because I was afraid of being arrested for anything, because I was clean, everything's fine, no warrants, nothing. But I felt, man, what am I going to do? I offended this man. I was such a jerk. I, I was in jail more than once and met him more than once in our little town of Bell Cudahy. I was, I was jacked up. And, you know, the Lord said, you need to go over to him, shake his hand, offer to hug him. You know, you just don't go up and hug him. And apologize. And that's exactly what I did. After the service, I got up. I walked across the room. I said, you probably don't know him. And he looks at me like, I know you. And I said, yes. Um, I just wanted to say I'm sorry. 
um, and would you please forgive me uh, because I disrespected you and did a lot of caused you a lot of grief as a criminal. But I'm not a criminal anymore. I'm a, I'm saved. Um, I'm I'm born again, and this is my church. This is my my wife is over there getting our kids, uh, our son from Sunday school, and 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 he was so excited. He was an elder in the church. He was a leader. He was so excited, so um, happy, um, so nice to me, and unbelievable. If there's anyone uh, connected to this radio show today that doesn't deserve uh, what he has and who he is, it's me. And I'm grateful for the grace of God. And you know, that brother called earlier, um, why isn't the grace of God, you know, why isn't Paul's teachings, why isn't teachings on grace, why isn't the new covenant um, taught on uh, enough? It, uh, I did give that answer about teaching through the Bible, and I think it's relevant, but perhaps another answer is is that the people in the pulpits just don't realize, the guys in the pulpits just don't realize the grace in their lives because, like, how can we not tell about the grace of God and the hope of God? How can we not minister the gospel of what God has done in us? How can we not shout it from the rooftops? How can we not declare his goodness? How can we not go hug the cop that arrested us years ago? How could we not? How could we not make things right? How could we not humble ourselves? How could we not keep our head low in humility and crucify our flesh and make no provision for it and preach the good news that God can save anyone, anywhere that will turn to him and repent of their sins? I mean... Thank you. Thank you, Lord. So good to us. 303-690-3000. All right, let's go to line number two is Carl. Carl has a question um, from Golden, Colorado. Carl, welcome to the program. Carl, are you still with us? Carl from Golden, Oh, he had a great question, so I have it. I'll tell you. Great question. Can you hear me? Uh, maybe a, Can you hear me? Hey, there you are, Carl. Welcome to the program. Yeah, hey, yeah, sorry. I might be going in and out. Let me okay, what do you got, man? Position here. Yes. So, yes, my question that gentleman earlier <laughs> talking about, when you guys were talking about the grace and the pulpits and, and the differences of teaching with uh, topical versus exegetical and uh, yep. I popped the question because I, I meet with one of my pastors uh, every Tuesday or whenever we can every Tuesday and yes. talk about church stuff and being a leader in the church. Um, and I, I brought this up. I talked about how you know I, I really struggle that we don't do more extra, extra preaching and teach the Bible. Yes. And uh, he, he told me that, you know, there's not much biblical evidence, scriptural evidence. Um, that the Bible doesn't really lay out a way to teach the Bible. And and I was like, well, you know, Jesus, whenever he went to the synagogue, he would always teach from the Scriptures, and he would, he would teach something, and like with the feet taught from Isaiah, and then sat down and said it was fulfilled. Um, so I just wanted to, what are some good Bible verses to look at that kind of show? Like I was thinking of the verse in Timothy where he talks about uh, Scripture being inspired, and it's used to... Uh, teach and rebuke and you know, correct yes. and whatnot. Um, no, it's a great question. One of the places I'd go to is a Isaiah chapter 28, verse 13, where it says, but the word of the Lord was to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they might go and fall backward. It was They were kind of mocking 
the teaching style and how God gave his word to the people. But look what they were mocking. They were mocking that it came little by little, line upon line, word upon word, truth upon truth. Um, so that's a familiar passage. Another one is found in uh, Paul when he is writing to Paul. Uh, excuse me, when he is um, he is speaking, if I remember correctly, to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. He, he gives them, as he's beginning to defend his ministry, uh, he says, Therefore I testify to you this day. This is Acts 20, verses 26 and 27. Uh, he says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And, and I, I believe what he means by that is that, that he had not shunned to give them the whole precepts that were existent at that time. Uh, which would be what the Old Testament he taught them because you know along the lines of this aversion to exegetical teaching and verse by verse through the Bible the entire Bible like you said in second Timothy 316 all scripture is inspired of God you know another aversion is just well we don't teach the Old Testament we only teach the New Testament well when Paul said he gave the whole council what was he referring to he the was old, referring to the Old, old Testament, Testament. Like, that's all they had yeah um you know the New Testament was still being written, and and so there's another passage um, that kind of gives the the sense of what expository teaching is uh, in Nehemiah as they gather the people together. My heart was Ezra and the Levites teaching, and everyone was cut to the yes. heart. Everyone was, and and yeah. and you know that that they gave this they they taught the word and they gave the sense of it. They gave the application of it. You know they they not only read the Bible or read the scriptures, but they explained it and gave the sense to it. Um, I can't find the scripture, but it's in Nehemiah and Ezra as well. You're right, Ezra. There's a passage in Ezra that speaks of them teaching. But I, I think that the in, in that discussion because it's a good discussion to have, and it's okay if we come to different disagreements because the Bible is powerful, sharper than two-edged swords. So I would rather have Christian churches teaching the Bible than nothing. Um, but, but, but the problem, you know, the way that we've been taught again, I'm, 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 I am, what's the word? Um, I am partial to this because this is how I was discipled. This is what I was told to do. Um, that when you teach through the entire Bible, you don't, you give everything that God gave to us and you gave everything in the context and the amount, you know, because pastors can have hobby horses, you know, they can have favorites, you know, maybe, maybe a pastor has a favorite doctrine like um, spiritual gifts, you know, that's, that's your favorite doctrine. Well, you know, if that's your favorite doctrine and, you know, maybe in a Pentecostal church, they're always talking about tongues and tongues and tongues, but, but, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about it all that much. Um, it, it does. It's a definitely valid topic, one to be taught on, but when you teach through the Bible, you emphasize what God emphasizes, how much he emphasizes. And you don't get caught up on your hobby horses or you don't get caught up in your church growth patterns and models. And, and so I would say, you know, your, your pastor has a harder time, I would say, would have a harder time justifying going through a couple little topics here and there throughout the year instead of going through the Bible. I, I think he has a harder time proving that biblically than this expository exegetical through the Bible, because, you know, in the, in the, in the synagogues, you know, the old Testament pattern, the old Testament pattern of going through the scriptures was to go through the scriptures, right? Cause you mentioned it when Jesus comes into the synagogue in Nazareth, he opens up the scroll of the reading of the day. Like that was the reading. What, what perfect timing that they would be in Isaiah 
uh, and yeah. began to, to share. I mean, but that was the reading of the day. They followed a special reading schedule, a special scripture schedule. And when you go through the Bible, you can follow that, that same pattern. Yeah, because so I'm an eighth grade leader in my church, and one thing I've been doing, a lot of them are just craving learning the word, learning the Bible, and so I've been doing Bible studies with a lot of them. And last night we had a new a new kid come to our group, a new eighth grade boy. I didn't really know he was eighth grade, and so we had group time, and I talked to him afterwards and asked him about how he liked the group and how he likes the our time together. He was like, "Yeah, my favorite part was when you start reading me the Bible. That was, that was my favorite part was when you're reading us the Bible." And it's just that that really struck me. It's like, man, it's just I feel like right now my church for for the youth group, these kids are like are starting to really press into their faith, just craving the word. They're craving hearing the Bible and being taught the Bible. And one of the other students I talked to that's in the Bible study, he's telling me he's like, yeah, like you know, I, I meet with my parents and I'll read scriptures together, but they don't really explain anything to me. And, and I really like that you explain things to me and help me understand what's happening. And and. I, yeah, and I just, you know, with our youth groups, it's we're always teaching them, like, we're always teaching them how to be good students and, like, how to have proper behavior on our girls and, and tech, like, how to handle technology and whatnot. And then when they're talking about God, they don't really know anything about, the, you know, the New Covenant, or they don't know anything doctrinally, or they, they don't really have much knowledge of God. And so I just feel like that's what the Spirit's impressing upon me, is to, to grow them in knowledge of God. And yes. And, and I think that's all throughout. That, that's throughout the scriptures, you know. And I think the outside of the United States, I mean, other than churches that were planted by the United States, if you go to India today, they study the Bible. You go to China today, they study the Bible. Um, unless it's connected somehow to Western Christianity, um, there are um, the, the the Church of Jesus Christ at large studies the Bible, and. I found that verse for you, by the way, Nehemiah 8. It's eight Nehemiah 8, 8. It says, so they read distinctly from the book in the law of God. They gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. Um, and that, that's really expository teaching there, where you exegetically pull out what the text says, and then you teach it in its context historically to the audience and make it applicable to the people that are in front of you. And and you know, I'm not a superstar giant of an intellect. I'm not super smart. Um, I can't come up with these fancy titles and fancy, um, you know, series things. But but I can be open to the Holy Spirit and just let Him teach the Bible through me. And it makes it 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 makes it it makes it so much easier. It makes it easier for the church because they can read along and they can read ahead. And they know where we're going to be next week. You know, we just finished Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. So they know exactly where they're going to be this Saturday. They're going to be in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5. And they can be ready for it. And we're going to go through it together. And and before you know it, we're going to finish Hebrews. And and now after about 20 years, you know, if, if the Lord gives us that long, I finally have taught through the entire New Testament. I don't do it too fast. But at least I've taught through the entire New Testament. And we're working way our way through the Old Testament on Wednesday nights. It's just life-changing the bible is just life-changing all we need to do is open it and use it so on the topic of hebrews if i may briefly ask you this sure um because i've been studying that recently too and i've struggled with you know with chapter six uh, ten we're starting to talk yes. about um 
crucifying the Son of God again, like people, the, the Jews who are falling away, returning back to the, uh, going back to Judaism, re- rejecting Christ. And um, I, I listened to, Chuck, like, I think it was chapter six, I went, I found a Chuck Smith sermon on it, and he, is, he was like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the interpretation of this is. If it's saying those who, you know, when it says that you can't, those who fall away can't be restored to repentance. Um, but he you know, talked about how when you read other scriptures that check that scripture, you know, when Jesus says, those who come to me, I will never forsake them, I will never cast them out. And it's just like, do you, what, what's your best take on, on that scripture? Well, whenever we, and so Pastor Chuck taught us this, so whenever we come against passages that we that are hard to understand, we always have to interpret them in light of passages that are easier to understand. So when we, before we get to Hebrews 6, and when I teach this, I'll teach this uh, very similarly. I'll, I will give the viewpoints, allow people to make up their minds, and then give where I think it stands. So let's talk about the big question. The, the real question that Hebrews 6 and even Hebrews 10 op, uh, opens up is, can a, can a believer, a true believer in Christ, someone that's born again, lose their salvation? Um, that's really the question. Uh, and, and the entirety of the scriptures, to me, indicate that a person that's been born again cannot be unborn again. That a true believer in Christ, there's no evidence in the Bible of a person being born again, unborn again, then born again, again, and unborn and un- it, there's no it, that the Bible. Jesus said that no one can snatch them out of his Father's hands. I mean, that's Jesus describing our relationship with the Father by faith in Him. So when it comes to Hebrews six, as challenging as it is, um, the 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 reality is is that I believe that Hebrews six is referring to people that are faking it that look like believers, even sound like believers, and that idea of partaking or experiencing the Holy Spirit, uh, I, I don't believe that it means that they receive the Holy Spirit. I believe that I believe it's referring to them experiencing it, um, the, the characteristics of being around other believers, enjoying them, uh, that, that, they're, that this is a group of people that have been pretending, and because they've been pretending, their heart is so hard, and because their heart's so hard, they've crossed the line to the point of blaspheming the Holy Spirit and will never be able to repent because they've already crossed the line, right? That's the only unforgivable sin. But I don't believe it's teaching that believers can lose their salvation, but I do believe it's teaching that people can say they're believers and not really be. Okay. So, like, because I struggle with that because it seems like the narrative that he's using for leading up to that when he talks, like, in chapters 2 and I think it's 2 up to 4... Um, with talking about examples of the Old Testament with the neglecting the salvation that they were, that when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, that they were told to uh, follow new cov- that covenant with God, and then they didn't, and then they were neglecting their salvation, and therefore telling the Jews not to neglect the, the salvation of Jesus. Um, so you, you can't, so like, it's, it's not saying that as a, a born-again Christian can neglect, like they still have free will to choose not to be obedient to God, after yes. they're born again, and then therefore sure. not inherit the kingdom of God, as Paul would say in multiple letters. Well, I believe that every true believer is going to inherit the kingdom of God. And so I, I don't believe that uh, the behaviors of a true believer are going to then somehow vacate their salvation. I don't think you can lose your salvation. I think eternal eternal life is just that. It's called eternal for a reason. And so I think that there are many fake, false believers there 
that all around us, you know, if we think just because our churches are filled with people, you know, like our church, our church is filled three times every once on Saturday night and two on Sunday morning. It's packed with people. But to think that everyone in that room are true believers would be false thinking. That's why we preach the gospel. That's why we give invitations to receive. That's why, because we know that, and that's why we give strong messages of repentance and and strong warnings, just like Hebrews is a warning. And he's warning that that there are there are people among there are people among believers that really even could convince themselves that they are saved. Um, you know, they they think that they they you, you you could be so convinced and yet not bear fruit of the kingdom. You know, there's going to be people that surprise that won't even realize it until they're in the presence of Jesus, right? Because what does Jesus say? You know, they're going to yes. That, that, well, that draws another question though: is is those people that come up to the Lord are they deceived in thinking that they did those miracles and did exorcisms, or did they actually somehow do them? Because I, I figured you can't cast out a demon unless the Lord, the Spirit lives inside you, and you're, you're doing it in the name of Jesus. And um, Well, let, let's, so that, let's think about that for a moment. When Jesus said that rocks could proclaim the uh, praises of God, do they need the Spirit of God in them to proclaim the praises of God? No. No? No. They're inanimate objects, right? So God's saying that, I mean, Jesus is saying, even, even if these people weren't praising me, God my God in heaven can use an inanimate object to accomplish his will. And so if God can use an inanimate object to accomplish his will, can't he also use an unbeliever? Yeah, I guess is that what he can, uh, when the disciples are saying like, Hey, look, there's those people cast on demons in your name. Should we stop them? Were those unbelievers who were doing the work of God without believing first? God, God can definitely do work through any vessel that he wants to do work. That's not, you know, signs and wonders is not evidence that a person is saved. Well, yeah, like the Egyptian magicians and right. other magicians that would do sorcery. Right. You know, and I think in the New Testament, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, was it Simon the sorcerer um, that that came along in Acts and, you know, he's he's cursed to hell by Paul. I mean, excuse me, by Peter um, because... Uh, he wanted to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, he was involved in all the dark arts, and was, it was Simon the Sorcerer, wasn't it? I think it was. Um, I can't remember his name, but I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I can't. And and Acts, and so Acts chapter like nine or something like that. <laughs> I'm looking at Acts ten. It is nine. Simon a Tanner uh, may come upon me. Uh, sorcery. Yeah, it's Acts chapter eight. Um, and so check this out because the the. Think about our common churches today. Let's say five people go and share the gospel and they all lay hands on this person and they get saved. Isn't that a possibility that you would think that you did something for God and God did something through you even though you're lost? Yeah. Just because you're with other believers? You know, you yeah. sing songs, but but you've never repented of your sin. You you haven't been born again, but you act like it. I like what Gino Dracy says, uh, you know, and I think he's just quoting J. Vernon McGee, but Gene, I heard it first with Gino, you know, there are believers and there are make-believers. And, and I believe that God is revealing, even among the Jewish Christians, because the letter to the Hebrews were written to Jewish believers, but remember, whenever believers are present, unbelievers are also present. And so... God, Paul is warning them to make sure that they don't drift away. They're, he's warning them that one of the evidences of salvation is that you will steady on and that you will persevere and that God will bring you through and you'll come home to the Father, you know, all, on, all of that. And, 
And I, it's still a difficult passage. So, I mean, we're talking about it, but it's Hebrews 6 is one of the top five most difficult passages in the Bible. But as we talk it through, I do not come to the conclusion because of Hebrews 6 that a person can lose their salvation. It's a hard text, but I don't believe it's teaching us you can lose your salvation. It would be an okay. isolated text. So like it, that. it kind of falls into a lot of the other um, passages that Paul or Peter, whenever they talk about false teachers or talk about those who live and sin, uh, practice sin, don't inherit the kingdom of God, kind of like write, they, write those, they write those passages to kind of help people who are non-believers in the midst of them, or believers in the midst, midst of them, realize if someone's a true believer or not. Is that I mean, kind of like the, one of the purposes of, them, of those verses? It's really, it's a, it's a strong warning toward, for believers, it's a warning toward righteousness, and for unbelievers, it becomes a warning against hardening their hearts. And, you know, it, that God sorts that out. You know, I think it's, uh, it's been said that the same sun that melts the wax also hardens the clay. And it just depends on what the material is that it's shining on. But we got 30 seconds, so I got to go, bro. Right, I'd love to talk right, to you. Call back. Right, well, that's all. Okay, thanks, man. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hey, 30 seconds left. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. My name is Ed. Invite you to services this weekend. We are teaching through the book of Hebrews. There are some challenging passages in Hebrews. Uh, We meet on Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday morning, 845, 1045. If you're in the metro area here in Denver, go to gracefm.com or calvaryaurora.org, and we have a recommended church list there in your community. Uh, And if you're out on the East Coast, Uh, Go to the local Calvary Chapel that's near you. You'll be blessed. Thank you for uh, allowing us to be a part of Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.